Magazine's The Final Word. Good evening, I'm Albie Oxenrider, and welcome to The Final Word. This is the show that gets you into the conversation every week. You can join us every Sunday night right here on Channel 11. Without further ado, let's introduce you to tonight's three panelists. The afternoon host at 105.9 The X, Mark Madden. Have you seen Junior's grades? And there's Dan Kovacevic, our partner from DKPittsburghSports.com. Now I feel like I need to slide the pick down to Fredford to make that ow, 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 ow sound. All right, and finally from 93.7 <laughs> The Fan, it's Doran Dickerson. Big plays being made by some young men out there on the uh, football field today at Heinz Field. Some big plays and it's very exciting. All right, Doran and Dan and Mark, welcome again. Some of the topics we're talking about tonight, we're looking for five words on the Steelers being 4-0 for the first time since 1979. How concerning is the play of the Steelers' defense, if at all? How can the league truly get a grasp on the COVID-19 situation? And how do you feel about the Penguins after uh, all their moves? And we're into the offseason now. But first, the night's big topic. How does this game from Chase Claypool and that performance impact the potential for the entire Steelers' offense moving forward, Mark? Well, Chase Claypool is the number one receiver now. And maybe it's a bit premature to say that, but maybe it's not. Deontay Johnson is proving injury prone in this his second season. Juju Smith-Schuster ain't that guy. He's proving it over and over again. He's a okay slot guy, but nothing else. James Washington, he's handy. He can do some things, but Chase Claypool, and not just because of his four touchdown game today, but he's got the speed, he's got the size, he's got the power, he's got it all. And after today's performance, Ben is a creature of habit. If you make him look good, he'll make you look good. I got a feeling Chase Claypool is quickly becoming Ben's go-to guy. Dan? I'm not sure he wasn't that right off the bat, Mark. Watching him early in training camp, the, the, the chemistry that, that was there between those two, uh, even in just routine drills, the way Chase would cut off routes, move to the outside, and be right. The ball was just waiting for him when he turned there. Uh, he looks special. And watching him live today at Heinz Field, the thing that I kept trying to do just for fun in my own head was to figure out how much of him is Plexico Burris, how much is Martavis Bryant, and how much is better than both. Because one thing that Claypool's doing is when he gets that ball, after he contorts and has that amazing ability and agility to keep his balance, he takes off. I mean, there's a reason they're using him on those running plays as well. Uh, this is a special, special young talent. And to think this was, what, the 11th receiver taken in the draft? Wow. And by the way, hats off to Matt Canada because his additions to the playbook made major impact today. They sure did. Doran's next. No, I mean, coming out of college, Chase Claypool was a guy that I thought was going to be a developmental player, uh, a guy that's going to take some time to uh, adapt in an NFL offense. And he's proven that he can be the guy. And just like Dan said, I mean, running the ball, his yards after catch and the way he runs after he catches the ball, he's like a running back. He's 6'4", 235 pounds, runs a 4'4". I mean, the guy has proven that he could be that all-around receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers and not just all-around. He's proven he could be the number one receiver, that go-to guy for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's okay. You know, that's okay for Juju Smith-Schuster to take a backup role and be a second receiver. As long as they have the weapons and guys to fill in their roles for the offense, Chase Claypool can be the guy all day, even though he is a rookie. All right, a reminder, keep the comments coming. You can find us on Twitter 
at WPXI Final Word is the handle, and on Facebook at The Final Word. Now it's time for five words. Give us five words on the Steelers being 4-0 for the first time since 1979. Chase Claypool, that's the tweet. Okay, that's five words. Still need to get better, also from Twitter. And finally, 40 years until Chase Claypool. Uh, now Mark Dayan and Doran. Five words on the Steelers being 4-0 since the first time since Moby Dick was a minnow. Mark, you're first. You're not going to like what I had to say. But my five words are, they ain't beat nobody yet. 4-0 is 4-0. You can't be 5-0. But the teams they've defeated have a total of three wins, and they're not as good, mostly, as their record might indicate. They ain't beat nobody yet. Pretty soon, the big kids show up at the playground, and I'm not saying the Steelers won't do good. I am saying none of us are sure. All right, Dan, five words. Uh, haven't been their best yet. I mean, I'll play off of Mark's remarks, and I'll agree with him. The, the caliber of their opponents hasn't been great, although I think Philadelphia's defense was, was up to the task, at least up front. They were, that's the most formidable front the Steelers have faced yet. Uh, can we really say, if Ben Roethlisberger tells us himself, as he did today, that, they're able to, that he's not connecting on the deep ball the way he needs to? He's overthrowing guys a lot. He was joking that his doctor might have made his elbow too strong coming back. Can we really say the defense has been at its best when the secondary has been the way it's been? And I know we'll get to that in a later segment. I think this team has another level to climb still. Five words, Doran. What's the best Chase scenario? Yeah, I'm going to echo off of the first segment that we talked about and getting in detail about Chase Claypool. But the thing that's so special about him is how he attracts defenses and how that will open up other guys in the offense. That will open up James Conner. That will open up uh, McFarland. That will open up Benny Snell. These guys will uh, see more stats, more yards, more playing time, more touches because of Chase Claypool and what he does and how he affects the defense. His speed, his versatility, everything he brings to the table will start to run through him uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers and their offense. And I know Ben is excited to have such a weapon in Chase Claypool. All right, when we come back, how concerning is the play of the Steelers defense, if at all? What can fix the drop off from last year? Got to fix the problem, the, the broken coverages in the secondary, says uh, that comment from Twitter. Back with more of the final word right after this. The final word. Welcome back. I'm Albie Oxenrider tonight with Mark Madden, Dan Kovacevic, and Doran Dickerson. How concerning is the play of the Steelers' defense, if at all? What can fix the drop-off from last year? Doran's first on this one. Well, teams are starting to do a very good job, and they're going to continue to do a good job of neutralizing the pass rush and neutralizing Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt. So you know what that means? That means somebody else needs to step up on the defense. If it's Devin Bush, they need to step up on the defense, become that leader, become that playmaker. And a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick, we haven't heard his name a lot this year. Last year, it seemed like he was around the ball every single play. Interceptions, fumble recoveries, re returns for touchdowns. We need to see Minka Fitzpatrick in last year's form. I think he could be the true key to uh, developing this defense and moving forward and being that guy to step up whenever Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt get neutralized by the offenses. 
All right, back to social media. When you consistently can't stop one receiver from catching and scoring touchdowns, there's a problem that needs to be fixed immediately. Travis Fulgham should have had, uh, shouldn't have had as many catches as he had today. Uh, Dan, what's your take on this? Yeah, one? it's not that simple. I know everybody's just going to say cover people better, cover people better, and the coverage could have been a little bit better, especially Joe Hayden's. I thought he had kind of a rough day until the very end. Uh, but I'm with Doran on Minka. Minka is doing a lot of watching right now, and he's doing a lot of flat-footed watching. The great players, and remember that it was just last year that we were talking about Minka as if he's on that trajectory as a first-team All-Pro safety. The great players keep moving. They find their way to the football, not by standing there and watching the quarterback. You'll see it time and time again on the film with him. You saw it on that touchdown that Philadelphia scored. I'm not pinning everything on him. He needs to step up. Devin Bush needs to step up. And Keith Butler needs to find a way to not constantly go all blitz or all no blitz. There's somewhere in between there, too. Mark, you concerned about the Steelers' defense? Well, no, I just don't care at all. But... Uh, they got five sacks today. They got a bunch of quarterback hits. They got a bunch of tackles for losses. But what was never going to happen again is the 38 takeaways. Those are falling off, and you knew they were going to. A lot of that's luck. A lot of that's bounces. Look at Minka with his picks last year. Three of them came on tip passes. That's not happening this year. Can Minka do more? Probably. But I'm not of the mind that he was ever Troy Pulamalu in the first place. What they got to do is not allow points, not allow drives. They're a splash play defense, and that goes a long way in today's league. But honestly, they've looked very mediocre defensive-wise, actually playing defense in the games up to this point. All right, our next topic, continuing COVID concerns around the NFL. Day and multiple NFL games were shuffled this week, leaving the margin for uh, error moving forward very little. Uh, how can the league truly get a grasp on what's happening with COVID? Well, throw the Titans out for one thing. I, and I'm not even kidding at this point. I mean, they had another coach test positive today. They had to shut down their facility again today. I can't imagine that they'll be playing their now rescheduled, rescheduled game against the Bills on Tuesday night. Uh, the Titans have been the epicenter, if you will, of everything that's gone wrong in the NFL. Beyond that, Albie, I don't know that it's that big a concern. You can make a week 18. You can keep manipulating the schedule. What, what kind of deadline does the NFL have to hold a Super Bowl? If we could play the Stanley Cup playoffs in, what was that, September? You can do a Super Bowl in March. It's not the end of the world. They're going to play these games. But you can't have a team that has deliberately flouted the rules the way the Titans have getting away with it. All right. How can the league truly get a grasp on the COVID-19 situation? Make teams forfeit is uh, what that comment is. On to Doran now. What do you think, Doran? You know, it really blows my mind that the NFL, Roger Goodell and the NFLPA didn't sit down at a table in the beginning of the season and say, you know, we need to make a week 18, an empty week 18, just in case a team uh, gets contracted with COVID like we're seeing right now. How come this is, it, how come this is so, such a, a, a scattered situation right now? This should have been taken care of in the beginning of the season. They should have sat down, figured it out, and you know what? We knew that this was going to happen. We knew teams and players and staff were going to get contracted with the virus at some point. I just don't understand why this hasn't been taken care of and set in stone in the beginning of the year to show that, you know, hey, week 18, all right, you're, you're going to play then. So I don't, I don't understand what's really going on. It's really confusing. And honestly, at the end of the day, it's really frustrating to see this whole situation going down. Mark? Well, once again, Albie, I don't care. 
In fact, just thinking out loud, it's amazing how much we talk about on this show that I'm just not concerned at all about. However, I think they should kick Tennessee out of the league too. Woohoo! I am not all for forfeits at all because then a team will or won't make the playoffs based on being awarded a win. I am not for that, but if you make Tennessee season null and void and do a little scheduling reshuffling so everybody plays at least 15 games, in particular the teams in their division, that would be the way to handle it. But the problem with all this is the teams that are getting COVID are getting every break in the book, and the teams that do things right and don't get COVID are seeing their schedules rearranged for the sake of the teams causing the problem. I'm sorry, that just isn't right. I respect that they're trying to make the season whole and get everything in, but that part of it just isn't right. Albie, early on, Major League Baseball put a hammer to the Miami Marlins. What ended up happening? The last 42 days, Major League Baseball has had zero, zero positive tests. Why? They sent the message early. Throw the Titans out of the league. All right. Finally, assessing the Penguins. Mark, uh, how do you feel the Penguins are shaping up after the draft, trades, free agent moves, etc.? I have never seen a flurry of minimum wage signings that has impressed me more than the ones the Penguins just made. Uh, Look, looking at the big picture here, their window's closed. They're done winning Stanley Cups. They're still a playoff team. But the problem ain't who they signed and who they didn't sign and the trades they made. And I know you want to blame Jim Rutherford because the stars are Teflon. But the problem is the stars ain't what they were and won't see themselves as they are. They cling to what they were. And that means the team does the same. And that's a problem. All right, back to Twitter. They're still trending downwards. Jim Rutherford continues to make lateral moves. Oh, shut up. What shut up. Coaching the GM, shut up. What does that even mean? Did you ask me, Elby? No, <laughs> okay. I'm asking you what you think about the topic. I, you know, I mean, the moves that Rutherford made shored up the bottom six. And since he had already shored up the top six, the forwards are done. I'd still like to see a right-handed defenseman. In, involved in the mix at some point. You're not moving Mike Matheson or Yuso Rikola to that side. And I still, I'm telling you, I think he's got another goaltending move in him. I don't know that he's going to see Casey DeSmith as the hammered number two here. All right, Doran. I mean, it's obvious that they want to get younger and they want to have these younger guys come in with the speed, obviously. Uh, you know, with Rikola resigning and McCann resigning and them trading away Murray, Hornquist and Bukestad, they are, are, are sending a sign. They, they want these guys to come in and be able to play at a high level. Now, that's the interesting point here, though. Are those guys going to be able to play on Sidney Crosby's line? Are these guys that the, the Penguins are acquiring going to be able to play on Evgeny Malkin's line? It's going to be tough. You can't get starstruck. you got to know your role whenever you come in here and, and be able to play with those guys and play at a high level. All right, still to come around the horn on any topic. The final word is next. Final word. Welcome back. It's time for the final word now. Everybody gets a chance, and Mark goes first. When I watched the final game of the ALDS between the New York Yankees and Tampa, It was a matchup of former Bucko pitchers, Garrett Cole against Tyler Glasnow. And I found myself wishing that they pitched in this game like they did when they were with the Pirates, when they were coached to pitch to contact instead of blowing their fastballs by people. The game would have been a lot higher scoring and thus more entertaining. Go Buckos! Doran, final word. Oh, just devastated. Devastated in my Pitt Panthers. I mean, good teams win those games that you're supposed to win. NC State and yesterday. 
you have to win those games. It's getting frustrating to this point. You have to figure it out. Uh, if you want credit and credibility of being a good program and being a good team, you win games like yesterday. It doesn't matter. There's nothing else to be said. I am just very devastated in my Pitt Panthers. Day and final word. I once had a general manager in a sport uh, who shall remain unnamed who told me that he couldn't believe the number of big contracts that he would offer to players that they would turn back, that they would reject because they wanted to bet on themselves. They wanted to go short term. Dak Prescott did that with the Cowboys today. And I sure hope you don't watch the video of what happened to his ankle, but he's not going to be playing football again for a very long time and his career might be affected by it. Take the money that is offered while it is there. All right. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dorn. And thanks, Mark. Our final word now from social media. Dear Pitt, I love you. I will root for you, but I will never watch again. What? Uh, that's from Phil on Twitter. About 40 hours from right now, get ready to celebrate one of the great moments in any sport ever. At 3.36 on Tuesday, it'll be exactly 60 years since the dramatic end of the 1960 World Series and Bill Mazeroski's home run for the ages. Pittsburgh's three major professional sports teams have won a combined 16 championships, but the Maz home run in 1960 is the only moment of those 16 that ended a championship series or game. Including umpire Nestor Chilak, there were seven future Hall of Famers in the 1960 World Series. With Whitey Ford passing away three days ago, only Maz is still living from that Hall of Fame class. And that's the final word for tonight. I'm Albie Oxenrider for Mark, Dan, and Doran. Thanks for staying up late with us. We'll see you next time.